Bulls' defense has given up only 13 points, and they're really dominating and taking the ball away and getting after the quarterback and doing everything, covering, rushing. They're just doing it all. It's a good sign for the Bucs, right? Because at some point, as you wrote on Bucks Wire, the offense will catch up, and then this team will be a wagon. More on that coming up just a little bit later in the program. But first of all... It's the Bucks Wire podcast. Welcome in. I'm Ryan O'Leary, playing host, joined as always by Luke Easterling of USA Today's Bucks Wire. I mean, Luke, Tom Brady, he's got to be feeling a hell of a lot lighter now, right? Without the, that monkey on his back, finally winning a regular season game over the Saints, especially in New Orleans, man. That weight off his shoulders, it must feel good. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it wasn't looking good there for a while. There were lots of uh, screaming and cussing and uh, throwing electronic equipment, but uh <laughs> Uh, winning, winning heals all ills, right? So uh, the fact that they they came away with a victory there uh, makes all that go away. He was joking about it after the game. It's a little uh, Twitter video, right? That he's throwing and breaking stuff and getting made into memes. Um, but as long as he wins, I, I don't think he cares. So uh, again, that that one that one was important. That was you know we talked about it last week. The mental block with this team facing the Saints and to get the first one in New Orleans off you know out of the way and off your back. Um, I think it's just a huge mental victory for this team. And again, we talked about what would happen if they won that game. Now you're coming home for a home opener and you're 2-0. and Both those wins are on the road, both against NFC opponents, one of them against the team that's going to be probably the biggest threat to you winning the division. And so, you know, that the fact that, and I know we're going to get into this, but the fact that the offense has looked so bad for a lot of, uh, a lot of the time of the last two weeks, I know Lenny looked great. Um, and Brady's had his moments uh, with a couple of good throws in, in key moments. But otherwise, you know, the offense really hasn't played that great. Um, but they're 2-0 and anyway, and the defense might be the best one in the league right now. So the fact that they're they're kind of having some of these growing pains on offense, new faces and all the injuries, um, and the fact that they've they've opened up on the road to start the season two weeks in a row against NFC opponents, but they're 2-0. and and, and there's a lot to be excited about, about where this team could go because of how they've started despite a lot of the adversity that they've had to deal with. Oh, there's no doubt. I agree with you 100%. Like two road wins in the conference to start the year is such a great advantage because the Bucks, we know they're one of the best teams in the league, but we're, I think, come midseason, you know, we're going to see a different team, a team that might be ready to go for a Super Bowl. We're going to get into that. But yeah, you could go 10. You could go to 10 Super Bowls, Luke. You could win seven of them. You can win rings with two different teams, but you can't beat the Saints in the regular season. Right. So it's like finally, uh, finally, that happened for Brady. It did look good early. It looked like a lot, much like the same uh, as it always does with the Saints. It's like you're pulling your hair out, but the Bucks do, they do respond in the second half. They finish that game. You got to feel good about it. And they finished that game after the skirmish. Right, and I'm not surprised there was a skirmish. I'm not surprised at all that Lattimore and Mike Evans are getting into it. They they seem to do that every time the, the Bucks and Saints play. But after the skirmish, the Bucks scored 17 points, and the defense forced four turnovers, and the Bucks won going away. And it's like, all right, well, that, I guess that that worked. You you had a great uh, analogy on Bucks Wire. With, you alluded to like it was like a hockey. It was like a hockey game, right? Get the nice fight, get the crowd into it. You know that thing. Get the team fired up, and then you go win the game. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, hockey and football uh, treat fighting a little bit differently, obviously. Um, but you can't argue, and I'm not, again, I said this in the article, I'm not condoning what Evans did, but you can't argue with the impact it's had, right? And if, again, we've talked about it before. I'm a big, I'm a big Lightning fan uh, down here in Tampa. It's really more of a hockey town than a football town, if I'm being honest. 
uh, winning a back-to-back Stanley Cup will do that for you. But in a hockey game, if you if you follow the sport, if you're a team that's having a bad night and you're struggling and, and you need an energy boost, a lot of times that you'll have either an enforcer, a big physical guy on your team, who will just start something with the other team just to get a fight going and, and get the energy of your bench and, and your crowd up so that you can try to spark something, just try to wake everybody up and get the energy flowing. Sometimes it's not even that guy. Sometimes it's a guy like, again, to, to use a, a lightning reference, Steven Stamkos is the captain. He doesn't really fight a lot. But sometimes when it's a guy like that who doesn't fight a lot, he takes it upon himself to be like, you know what, we need it. We need a spark. We need something. I'm going to throw the gloves down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw down and we're going to go. And it, it makes a big difference. Everybody looks around like, oh, man, Stammer's fighting. We, we got to pick it up. Um, and, and, again, I, I think that's just kind of what happened on Sunday. I don't think that it was any sort of, like, premeditated or anything or that that was what Evans was trying to do. Obviously, Evans was just coming through the defense of Brady and Lenny, and, and Lattimore was obviously trying to start something there, and he succeeded. Um, but the impact of that was that the Bucks were tied at three. The offense wasn't doing anything. Um, and they couldn't get out of that rut. And after that, they scored the next 17 points, and they and they finally beat the Saints. So, uh, again, you can't argue with the results of it. You kind of wish that uh, that Evans hadn't gone about it quite that way, especially if he ends up being out uh, this Sunday if that suspension is upheld. But, man, I, I that's what I saw when that happened, was it just reminded me of watching, watching Lightning games and watching a hockey player do that. Yeah, and I thought it was a great analogy. And, you know, it wasn't like – it was like Mike Evans hopped over the boards and started the fight, right? It was Marshawn Lattimore had words for Brady. Brady turns around, tells Lattimore to go bleep himself, as Tom will, will do. And then, you know, Fournette was in there. I think Lattimore took a little shot at Fournette up, up around the face mask. And then Mike Evans comes out of nowhere, like WWE style. That's what I had in my notes. You had hockey in your notes. I had WWE. Kind of came out of nowhere, like the WWE guy, like racing to the to the ring. Um, and kind of decleated Lattimore, gave him a good shot. I think that's why he uh, got ejected and, and, and they gave him the one game suspension. But again, you can't argue with what happened after that. The Bucs uh, pull away from the Saints and Tom Brady was actually asked in the postgame. Now, had to be, you know, wasn't a long postgame presser for Brady. I thought he might be a little happier, Luke, getting this win off his back. It's been a long time since he's beat the Saints, especially in the regular season. Uh, Brady was asked about the skirmish and if it helped the Bucks and if it kind of gave them a little bit of juice to end that game? Uh, it's an emotional game, so um, I don't think that's, you know, I think a little better execution helps all the way around. Defense played great again. Um, line fought hard. All the guys that were in there fought hard. It's a tough, really tough team, really well coached. Um, team we really struggle with, so it feels good to win. So that's all we got, Luke. It wasn't like Brady, he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy after the ball game. Um, I don't think he's mad at Mike Evans for doing that, but. I don't know. It seemed like he might have been annoyed that he had to, you know, rely on guys like uh, Perriman and Scotty Miller and Russell Gage and Lenny to kind of, you know, bust through there and, and get that one done. And it does seem like he's a little annoyed that he doesn't have Godwin and Julio Jones and then Mike Evans at the end of that game. Right. You, you get the sense that it wasn't a happy Brady after the game. I thought he'd be happier. Yeah. Yeah. You would think so. And, and I think part of it is, is the injuries as well, that not only were you missing guys because of, you know, uh, an ejection, you're, you're missing your, your top guy, right? But you, you went into that game without Julio and Godwin. You went into that game without Donovan Smith, who, again, we noted last week, has only missed three starts now in eight years as the Bucks left tackle. So it's rare to have him out of the lineup. And, again, rookie starting left guard, rookie, you know, basically a rookie and Robert Hainsey, who was a second-year guy who didn't 
play really at all last year, playing instead of Ryan Jensen, who was your Pro Bowl center, who was the guy obviously Brady wanted the most, you know, to come back on a new deal in the offseason. He comes back, but he gets hurt right away in training camp. You got Shaq Mason, who's a familiar face to Brady, but a new face on this line. Um, so many moving parts, so many changes. Gronk's not there. Um, and you're just dealing with so much adversity on that side of the ball, going into a very hard place to play and a place that you know against the team that you've struggled against. So I, I think again, Brady has told us before so many times that you know he hates losing, and winning feels like a relief more than something to get excited about. And that's what I saw, you know, during that very very short sweet pressure. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I think it was a minute and a half, two minutes uh, after a win, no less. Um, usually we get those after losses, but. Uh, you know, yeah, it, you know, I think he was happy to take the win home, but I think he is just still a little bit pissed off that, that there's so many reasons why the offense can't run at the clip they, they are capable of. And it's stuff that's, for the most part, really out of his control. Yeah, where the offense is, is um, it's different. We're not used to this kind of, you know, this kind of production from the Bucks, but the defense is really carrying them. We're going to get into that in our second segment. The last thing I wanted to say about the skirmish, Luke, is Brady... Uh, you know, he didn't say much in the post game, but he does have his podcast. What's it? The Let's Go podcast he does. Uh, and he did say on that podcast, and you had an article about this on Bucks Wire as well, that it was ridiculous uh, that Evans got the one game suspension. And I agree that what he did isn't wasn't that bad, right? Like he didn't take off his helmet or his cleat and like attack Marshawn Lattimore. He didn't try to stomp on him. He didn't do anything that would like jeopardize Lattimore, but he gave him a pretty good shot, right? A run, he got the running start. He had some speed behind him, and he gave Lattimore a good hit. Uh, and there was a little something extra there. I'm not saying it was like the worst thing in the world. I don't want to arrest Mike Evans here, but I think it was there was a little something. It was a little more than just like pushing and shoving, right? He gave him a shot. He's been he was ejected. He's been you know hit for things like this in the past. Repeat offender here when it comes to like stuff after the whistle. So while you know I get that it wasn't the worst thing in the world, I don't agree with Brady that it's ridiculous. I actually think Mike Evans. He prob- it was probably about right. We'll see what happens with the appeal. Check Bucks wire before kickoff because that, that news will break you know, after we're done recording. But I don't really have a... I wasn't really like pissed that Evans got one game for the suspension. I think two games would have been ridiculous. Multiple games, ridiculous. One game kind of feels about right. That's just my opinion. Yeah, and, and again, I said this on Twitter after the decision was made that, that really you couldn't have expected anything less. Again, this goes back to 2017 when... Evans got suspended for a game for a very similar situation with the same player in the same stadium. They were playing at New Orleans. Jameis Winston was his quarterback then, and Lattimore was poking at him and pushing at him after the whistle, and Evans came out of nowhere. This one was worse because he just came from behind, right? Evans, you know, Lattimore had a little bit of an understanding that he was coming on Sunday. He saw him kind of out of the corner of his eye, I think. Um, but this time, you know, back in 2017, he just obliterated him, like coming full blast from behind him and, and just knocked him over. And he got suspended a game for that. So Evans coming into this game, and, and they've had penalties against each other after the whistle. These two guys have gone, you know, they're one of the biggest reasons to watch this game, right? It's that, that matchup. They're just great players, but they also have so much bad blood, so much history that that's, you know, you love to watch that rivalry uh, between them. But Evans, you know, I keep coming back to the fact that if Evans comes, even coming back kind of onto the field, whether he was completely off the field or not, he comes back into the area. And if he does anything other than just kind of run full speed and knock him off his feet, I don't think we're talking about a suspension here. And I don't even know that we get into kind of the knockdown drag out fight that we did if he doesn't do that. If he comes over and separates Lattimore from his, his teammates in any other way, even if he's just pushing him, 
shoving him, something like that. Maybe there's penalties that go both ways. Maybe they both do end up getting ejected because of the history. But Mike Evans isn't suspended unless he comes over running and knocks him over like they're still playing playing football. You know what I mean? So that's the part that I think Mike had to know. As soon as he did that, it was going to be a game because that's what it was last time in a very similar situation. So, again, I I think – you could argue from his side, and I'm sure his, his side of things will do this in the appeals hearing with James Thrash in the, in the NFL, is that there will be clips shown of other altercations on the field during games in recent years where, where players have done similar or worse things and did not get suspended for it. So I think that will be his argument. He will try to steer it away from the history between him and Lattimore. They'll try to steer it away from um, any of that, or the fact that Lattimore was also ejected but not suspended for his part in it. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not surprised he got suspended. I will not be surprised if his appeal was denied. But if it's not, and if it does get overturned, I think it'll be because there's some evidence and precedent there that, that other things and maybe worse things have happened on the field in recent years that didn't warrant a suspension, and, and I think that's the angle he'll try to push. All right, we'll have to watch that. Watch for that. Definitely check out Bucks Wire. Luke will have all that breaking throughout the week. And uh, yeah, I just think, I think we're on the same page there, Luke. I just think there was just a little extra for Mike Evans. He can't help himself with Lattimore. He has to give him that little shot, <laughs> you know, full speed. It's just yeah, what happens. Too, too when, much. Just it, just, a little too much. it just happens with, with Lattimore and Evans. That's just how it happens. So a lot to get to on the show. The, the Bucks signed Cole Beasley. So some wide receiver reinforcements. We'll get into that later on. And we're going to also talk about Todd Bowles' defense and this really fun matchup between the Bucks and the Packers, two teams that are just kind of in a different spot than they've been in the past. We'll get into that matchup as well. But first, our friends over at thehuddle.com, they have fantasy plays of the week, and then Luke and I will be right back. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number three. Quarterback Jared Goff, Detroit Lions at Minnesota Vikings. While it has been a small sample size, Goff has shown enough in the first couple of weeks to give gamers a little bit of hope that he could be a streaming option in week three. He has six touchdown passes versus just one interception and is coming off a QB6 finish a week ago. And there's a pretty good shot at a multi-touchdown effort from Goff and don't be shocked if he approaches 300 yards. Indianapolis Colts running back Naheem Hines versus the Kansas City Chiefs. If the Chiefs can hang points early and force Indy to abandon the running game, this could be a big week for Hines through the air. Despite what we've seen through two games, we're inclined to give Indy a little more credit, especially if star linebacker Shaquille Leonard can get back into the mix. There's even more upside for Hines if wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. isn't available once more. Either way, Kansas City has given up the most receptions and the third highest yardage outputs to running backs through the air this season. Hines is a reasonable PPR play out of the flex spot. Wide receiver Jacoby Myers, Patriots versus Ravens. The favorite target of quarterback Mac Jones has a fine matchup ahead, and that's not an overreaction to what Miami did to Baltimore in Week 2. Baltimore gave up four different wide receiver performances of at least 8.7 PPR points to the Jets in Week 1, including a 6-catch, 77-yard showing by Corey Davis, which should be in line with Myers' floor in this one, especially if the Ravens can jump out to a substantial lead. Los Angeles Rams tight end Tyler Higby at Arizona Cardinals. While his career has been defined by inconsistency, we've seen enough through two games to suggest that he'll continue to be involved in the offense at least to a large enough degree to warrant fantasy consideration. His 20 targets lead all tight ends, and his 26.3% target share is number two at the position. Only two tight ends have more than his 12 receptions. Meanwhile, Arizona has allowed the most fantasy points to tight ends by a wide margin, despite being one of the strongest units in 2021. Ride the hot hand and take advantage of the matchup while you can. 
For more award-winning fantasy football tips, news, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back, and Luke, uh, a good sign for the Bucks, I think, right now is, yeah, not only being 2-0, and beating two NFC teams, now you finally come home, you play the Packers, but it's Bulls' defense, not Tom Brady's offense, that's steering the ship right now for the Bucks. right? Very strange to see the Bucks lumped in with the bottom feeders in the league in terms of points per game. It's only two games, obviously, right? So not a huge sample size. And we, we know all the other factors that are playing into this with the Bucks, with their injuries and guys that aren't in the game. Possibly a suspension from Mike Evans isn't going to help. Uh, but they're averaging 19 points per game. It's usually more like 30, and that's a huge difference, right? So the fact that through these two games, Bulls' defense has given up only 13 points, and they're really dominating and taking the ball away and getting after the quarterback and doing everything, covering, rushing. They're just doing it all. It's a good sign for the Bucks, right? Because at some point, as you wrote on Bucks Wire, the offense will catch up, and then this team will be a wagon. Yeah, yeah. It's it, you could look at it two ways, right? You could look at it and say, "Oh my gosh, we got all these props on offense. What's going to happen?" But it, it honestly reminds me a little bit of what happened when Brady first got to Tampa, right? The first game against New Orleans in Week One on the road, where they, you know, obviously had some growing pains. It took a while, right? They were seven and five to start that season. They're twenty four and five since then, um, which is just a ridiculous number. Um, yes. But you know, when you look at the issues that the offense was having, it was a, it was about, you know, continuity. It was about chemistry. It was about injuries and those things like that. So the fact that the offense is having those same kind of struggles this year really shouldn't be surprising. The big difference is, again, we wondered what would be the difference. What would be the difference between the Bruce Arians Bucks and the Todd Bowles Bucks? Well, we know what the difference is. And the difference is being able to and more willing maybe to pound the rock on offense and run the ball a little bit more. But holy Lord, that defense, like 13 points through two games. And again, very similar MO. Go back to the last two, these first two games, they give up an opening field goal on the opening drive, right? The other team goes down, gets some yards, but they, you know, bend it, don't break, and they force the field goal. The Cowboys did that on their first drive. They did not score the rest of the game. The Saints did that on their first drive, and they did not score again until they finally scored a garbage time touchdown in the last couple of minutes there, which again is still the only touchdown that the Bucks have given up through these two games. Uh, and you can bet they were super pissed that they did. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not just the numbers again, six sacks, five takeaways on Sunday on the road against your rivals. It's the timing of it. And, and the fact that this game was definitely in the balance. And then I think it was late third, early fourth quarter, the Bucks had four takeaways in nine plays. It's such a good stat. Yeah, defense, it was just which is just yeah. insane. That is a ridiculous amount of turning the ball over. And again, everybody will point to. Lord knows, Devin White will be quick to point out who the quarterback was on the other side. Something he was happy to do after the game uh, and talk about how they were very uh, expectant that they, uh, Jameis Winston would turn the ball over if they got a lead. Um, but I mean, Jamel Dean, Mike Edwards, both guys in contract years who are like, Hey, let's fall out and make some money. Jamel Dean has two picks. 
basically back to back, Mike Edwards has a pick six, 68 yarder that really put the game away there. Went from 13 to three to 20 to three. Um, but this is this is the the blueprint, right? This is Todd Bowles' team. He's the defense is going to carry for now. Um, and again, once the once the offense gets healthier, once the offense gets those moving parts and moving pieces kind of on the same page like they were last year. Again, last year the entire the entire team came back, the entire starting lineup, all twenty two on both sides, all three specialists. So Brady had no continuity issues whatsoever. The injuries weren't an issue early in the season yet. Um, so he's dealing with a lot more this time around early in the season than he was last year. So that that 19 points a game is going to go way higher once those things get figured out. And if the defense can continue to play anywhere near this level uh, that we've seen these last two weeks, again, this is definitely – there's a reason the Bucks are, are the NFC favorites still, I think, right now, really. And, and that's going to that's gonna look like that team, right? When they, when they figure the offense out and they get a little healthier and if the defense keeps this up, they're going to be hard to beat. Yeah, I think they should be the favorite in the NFC right now. I just – the defense is nasty – and now it's like the offense is catching up, as you said, like Brandon Walton filling in at left tackle. It's a little scary, right? So we're, we're going to be monitoring Donovan Smith's, um, you know, his availability. You kind of mentioned the offensive line. You know, we also talked about the wide receivers. Is Russell Gage wide receiver one against Green Bay? You know, I don't know, maybe. Uh, but they did sign Cole Beasley to the practice squad, uh, maybe as a contingency plan, Luke. Now, Cole Beasley is one of these kind of, possession receivers right kind of what when he was in his prime kind of reminds you of like a hunter renfro type right go to him on third down catch the ball fantasy would be a nice little ppr wide receiver right these are the kind of guys that brady loves to have whether it was wes welker he was dominating with wes welker dominating with julian edelman uh cole beasley's kind of cut from that cloth so the the fit makes sense, right? I think Cole Beasley could fit in with Brady just fine if he has anything left, if he has anything left in the tank. Uh, signed to the practice squad. What's going on with Beasley? How soon could we see him elevated to the uh, to the official fifty three? You think? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason I uh, I burned my waiver claim this week in my dynasty league of all places. Billy oh. Beasley's thirty three, so so it's not like he's going to give me much after this season, but. I really like the the X's and O's fit here. And I I think really what this signing tells me, uh, it's an indictment of Scotty Miller. And this hurts me because I've written before about how Scotty can bring something to this offense that really nobody else can in terms of his speed. I think Julio Jones has maybe changed that uh, a little bit since he's been here as fast as he still is. But I think what this tells, what it tells me is that Tom Brady doesn't care if you can take the top off the defense. He just doesn't. It doesn't matter to him if you can run for three, if that's all you can do. And unfortunately, at this point, Scotty Miller is kind of proving to be that one-trick pony where, yeah, he's got that 4-3 speed, but he's really small. He is struggling when coming out of breaks, and he fell down on one you know, key third down where he ended up dropping the ball, but he dropped it because he fell down. Uh, he had a couple other drops. There's been another, a couple other ones where it looks like maybe the route he just wasn't where Brady thought or wanted him to be, so the ball looked like it wasn't there. Because and the frustration that you see Brady having after those plays is just there's clearly a disconnect there. So I think replacing, you know, having a day where Scotty has a rough day like that, and then you go out and sign a guy like Cole Beasley, who he's his game is the complete opposite, right? He's short, intermediate, create separation in short areas, uh, don't ever drop the ball, and just move the chains. That tells me, listen, I'm not interested in a guy who can fly if he can't 
make the key catches on third downs in the intermediate areas and move the chains and, and make tough catches in contested areas, I need that guy. I need an experienced veteran who I know can do those things because that's the what I need to make this offense run. Uh, and because of that, again, I, I don't know what the long-term prognosis here is on either Godwin or Julio Jones, and hopefully, again, as Evans being out on Sunday, that's hope just a one-week thing. Russell Gage, you're kind of hoping he wakes up a little bit. I know Bucks fans are frustrated there, but remember, new offense. He had a hamstring injury for most of training camp, so missed a lot of install reps and all that. So he'll, he'll get there. It's just going to take some time. But a guy like Beasley is, is, is someone who can come in right away, pick up the offense probably pretty quickly because of his experience in the league, and he's going to be able to do the things that Brady needs a receiver to do, which is win in those short areas, win in contested catch situations, make clutch catches, and, and not just run by everybody if you're not going to be able to catch the ball when you get there. So definitely some potential here for him to be a, a big part of this offense. Again, they could elevate him from the practice squad three weeks up to three weeks before they have to add him to the active roster. So he could stay on the practice squad for three games, basically. And then on game day, they can elevate him to the active roster without having to add him to the 53 for the rest of the week, basically. So they don't have to cut anybody just yet. But I would not be surprised for him to quickly become a part of this offense and a productive one, especially if we're going to see Goblin and Julio missing more than that game or so. Yeah, that's a great point. That's probably why we see him sign to the practice squad, get him in here, see how he looks, and then make a decision on Sunday, right? Um, that makes a lot of sense. And I couldn't agree with you more, Luke, listening to your commentary on the type of receiver that Brady wants, because you know me, as a Patriots guy, uh, growing up with Brady, I was going to high school in New Hampshire when Brady was winning, started winning Super Bowls, and then it went all through my college. Yeah, I David most, Patton, David <laughs> Givens, most, all of those receivers that he was winning with. I was the most spoiled sports fan ever, just like kind of you are on all you Tampa Bay fans. You guys are spoiled these <laughs> yeah. days too, trust me. Yeah. But I was spoiled back then. And you know what Brady wants? He doesn't, he would take, instead of the guy that takes the top off and like flies down the field, I know he's one with guys like that, Randy Moss. Uh, he's kind of a unicorn though. I was going to say, Randy <laughs> you know? Moss. Yeah. Randy Moss, Scotty Miller, a little different. Uh, but he does, he would rather, instead of the guy with the blazing speed that just flies down the field, he would rather have the guy that gets open, runs precise routes, gets open. And you know what he wants? He wants you to see the field like he does, Luke, and he wants you to come back to the ball. He wants you to come mm -hmm. to the ball. Those are Brady's favorite receivers. Guys that just, they, they run their routes, they turn, and they come to the ball and catch it. He hates guys that sit back and let the ball come to them. He won't throw you the ball if you do that. I mean, I've watched, I watched Brady for 20 years in New England. you got to come back to the ball. And I think Beasley's one of these guys. He goes and gets it. He, he's just one of these good little slot players that I think would fit Brady perfectly. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see. I think it's an indictment on Scotty Miller. I think that's good commentary. Probably an indictment on Russell Gage, right? He got a lot of slot run, and uh, he's not being very productive. Um, so, uh, Cole Beasley, that's an interesting one. We'll have to see how that, uh, how that plays out. But uh, what's, your early, what's your early thoughts on this matchup with the, with the Green Bay Packers? Luke, what are you thinking right now? Well, it's interesting because I think this is going to be a very different Packers team, really mostly on offense, than the Bucks have played in the past, right? When you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers and, and a receiver like Devontae Adams, they're going to throw the ball a lot. Um, and this Packers team through two weeks has really, by necessity, turned into a ground-and-pound offense, right? They've got Aaron Jones. They've got uh, A.J. Dillon, really maybe the best one-two running back uh, combo in the league right now. Um, and they're using it, and they're relying on it because, again, there's just so much youth at wide receiver 
uh, in Green Bay, and and so much that's different about that unit. They didn't just lose Devontae Adams, but Marquez Valdez scaling is gone as well. Um, so you replace them with Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, the, both of those rookie guys. It's going to take some time. So they're leaning on that ground game, and, and it worked pretty well through the first couple weeks, especially against Chicago in week two. Whether or not it's going to work on Tampa Bay, who, again, has been dominant on defense, not sure how much that will change now that Akeem Hicks is going to be out for about a month with a foot injury. Um, but it will it will allow us to see probably a little bit more of Logan Paul, the second-round pick, Tampa Bay's top pick in this, this past draft. So it's going to be interesting to see how that change in offensive identity in Green Bay impacts the type of, of game we see between these two teams. Because, again, you're talking about two offenses that are usually slinging it all over the place because they've got, you know, future first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks and they've got superstar receivers. That's not going to be the case for either team on Sunday. Again, assuming we're out Edmonds, Godwin, maybe Julio Jones again this week and assuming and knowing that we don't have Devontae Adams on the other side, both of these teams are going to want to run the ball uh, quite a bit. So we, we might not see the shootout that we're used to with these two quarterbacks. Um, it might be a closer game because, you know, again, Bucks defense is dominant. I think that the Green Bay defense is better than, than people give them credit for. Um, so it, it could be more of a slugfest than a shootout, and that's just not something we're used to seeing when these two teams play. No, no, you see Brady Rodgers and you think the other thing. But yeah, these teams are in different spots and more to come on that matchup. We'll talk about the spread in the total. Maybe as Luke's talking there, I'm thinking I'm writing down on my little pad of paper here, Luke, maybe bet the under. So we'll look at the total on Tipico as well. Uh, but first, our friends over at the Bet Slippin' Podcast, they have their play of the week. They're going to give us that. And then Luke and I will be right back. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, hello. This is Nathan Beagley here with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm here to break down the Packers Bucks as our game of the week. We are using odds provided by Typico Sportsbook. New users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus. See site for details. Get your bonus today at usabet.com slash podcast. All right, on to the game. The Bucks have won two straight low-scoring, grinded-out type games, and their defense is the real deal. They're led by an elite secondary and a front line that is the most sacks per game in the NFL. Mike Evans out will open up a favorably price point for Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, and a nasty defense. The Bucks were 8-2 against the spread as home favorites last season and should keep that success rolling this year. Take Bucks minus 2.5 against the Packers this Sunday. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Luke, the Typico Sportsbook lists the Bucks as a two-and-a-half-point home favorite against Rodgers and the Packers, as you were saying. Uh, Brady might not have his top weapons, but neither does Rodgers. You mentioned Adams. He's obviously a Raider, but the, the Packers are trying to make Alan Lazard their number one receiver. I don't, I don't know if that's going to work out for them. They're hoping Randall Cobb finds the fountain of youth. Don't know how that's going to work out with them for them against Tampa Bay, which, you know, as you mentioned, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, I mean, that's kind of what they've got. That's their two-headed running back monster. They rushed for basically 200 yards against Chicago. Uh, but the Bucks are just notorious, notoriously tough against the run, right? They're always among the league leaders against the run. Just so good up front. Their linebackers are ridiculous with Levante David and Devin White. They're just so fast. They just take everything away. The backs can't find any daylight. So I have a hard time believing the Packers are going to come 
into Tampa Bay and just dominate on the ground. Uh, so what's your take on the spread? Bucks minus two and a half. I kind of love them at that number. I don't think this is the same Packers team that kind of scares you. I know the Bucks are banged up, but their defense is playing so well right now, and the Packers are kind of predictable that I kind of like this number that the Bucks getting. Um, they're only giving away less than a field goal. I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, I like that number too. I, I think I like the under as well. But I, I again, this is the same defense that go back to 2020 when when Aaron Rodgers came to to Tampa and played in Raymond James Stadium with Devontae Adams and with a more explosive offense. It was ten nothing Green Bay after the first quarter, and I'm pretty sure it was the first play of the second quarter. The Green Bay had the ball again and was threatening to you know obviously we're going to drive down, we're going to try to score again, make this a three score game. He got picked off by Jamel Dean and ran and ran it back for a touchdown, which I think at that point, Rodgers had only thrown like one pick six in his whole career or something like that. Dean takes it back the other way. And then two plays later, I think it was Mike Edwards that's, that picked him off again. And I think either ran it back or almost ran it back yeah. for a touchdown. And it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and then Rodgers so the never scored. Like- yeah, yeah. The Packers never scored again in that game. The Bucks beat him like 31 or 38 to 10 or something like that. And, and it was just a dominant performance for three quarters by, by Todd Bowles defense. So again, same, same defense, a better version of it so far that we've seen this season. And again, I don't think the, the Packers offense is better uh, than the one that, that got dominated by this Bucks defense, which is better now. So if you're looking at it that way and looking at the fact that you're hoping that the Bucks will be at least maybe a little healthier and a little more, you know, a, a little more ahead in the chemistry department with some of these new pieces on offense, I, I kind of look at what we saw on Sunday, right, and maybe what we saw against Dallas where the offense had their problems, but they did just enough to make sure that they didn't waste really dominant performances from their defense. So assuming the Bucks defense plays at that level this week against, the again, an offense they dominated when it was better in the past, and I think the Bucks offense might not have to do a whole lot this week to, to make sure they win that game, and it's not on the road. You have your own home crowd. Uh, which is going to be pumping the defense up and keeping it a little bit quieter. When you have the ball, you don't have to worry about some of the noise things and the silent count things and maybe you know the false starts and those sorts of mental errors that happen when you're on the road. All those things together make me like that that two and a half. And, and again, the fact that the game script could favor the ground game and the defenses, I, I, I like the under as well. Yeah, the under, the total is 42 and a half. I think you got to go under if you're if you're liking that total. I, I think Bucks minus two and a half. The spread is one of my favorite numbers on the board. I, I really like the Bucks, um, but yeah, the under as well because Rodgers is one of these quarterbacks. Luke, he loves to work the play clock down, right? Shorten the game, especially when he's he feels he's short on weapons. Maybe he didn't need to do that as much when he had Devontae Adams and he could just kind of throw a couple touchdown passes to Adams whenever he needed it. But now without Adams, like. He's going to work the play clock down, try to shorten it, you know, do that thing. And that's when the crowd noise can come into play. That's when frustrations can mount on the Packers. Um, and I know the Bucks are scoring mostly field goals on offense right now. Green Bay, they got a good defense. So the under 42 and a half definitely uh, would make some sense. But again, I just have a hard time. The Green Bay Packers coming into Tampa Bay for their home opener, Luke, and winning the game with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. I just, I don't see it. I think the, I think the, Packers are going to have a hard time against this Bucks defense if the last two weeks are any indication, man. So uh, a chance to go to 3-0. and uh, I mean, let's see if the ship keeps rolling here. Definitely not the Bucks team we're going to see in like week 8 or 10, right? Uh, but if they get to 3-0 and with three NFC wins, beat Dallas, and now beat the Packers, like, that's, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, that would be a huge start. And again, home opener, so you know the crowd's going to be into it. They're going to be, you know, it's week 3, and they're finally getting to see their team at home. 
after starting two and zero. Um, a lot of reasons for the Bucks to really come out and play well in this one. And again, if they do come out with the win and, and like you said, start three and zero against all, all NFC teams, two of them, you know, probably contenders at the top of the list. Assuming the Packers and the Cowboys are going to play well uh, down the stretch once they get a little bit healthier. Um, and again, beating your NFC South rivals and, and creating some distance in the division there. That would be the perfect start for this team. Again, they've got a home game against Kansas City the week after in prime time. So going into that game 3-0 and would be huge. Hell of a start for the Bucs, the schedule. But uh, so far, it's working out. So far, it's working out for them. So, uh, hey, I wanted two and two. I thought two and two would be to win. Uh, would be a win for them. So we're already there. Two and on the start. <laughs> yeah, you, you're you're already there. So that's beautiful. That's a beautiful place to be. Uh, so that's Luke Easterling. Check him out on Bucks Wire. Let him know what you think about this ball game on Twitter for sure. Um, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. Hit subscribe for us if you haven't already. And uh, we'll talk to you next week after Bucks Packers. Looking forward to it. Luke, we'll see you later, man. Hey, always a good time, Ryan. Have a great week, buddy. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.